<clears throat> All right, so last week uh, we kind of ended off with Revelations chapter 12. And like I said, some of your versions uh, uh, have verse 18 and some doesn't. But it kind of reminded me of the old, uh, when I was putting the class together, old-time serials you used to listen to on the radio where it always end on a cliffhanger and you'd have to tune back in next week. And that's kind of what this did too. Uh, we saw in verse 18, Satan standing and calling upon the seas, which is the nations, for someone to come help him. And we kind of get the vision of a seas boiling and churning and, and something about to pop up, and that's where we left off at. So this week we're going to pick back up with our cliffhanger and we're going to see just who answered his call. Uh, but before we do that, we'll just have a little, like we've been doing, just kind of little talk about the, uh, the chapter first before we actually get into it. Every great drama, movie, show, book, whatever has, has a villain, sometimes several villains. Uh, storytellers uh, call them antagonists. Their role in the plot is to antagonize the hero. Uh, they may involve engaging him in, in open combat or pulling the strings behind the scenes. Uh, different kinds of things that they, obstacles they put in his path to try to hinder him or stop him. If you think about every successful novel or film, you may be able to identify villains. They embody the wickedness and evils of conflict with good. Yet most insidious and potential destructive nemesis of any kind of plot is the villain who appears to be the hero at first. He appears to be the good guy, but then later on we find out he's actually the bad guy. Uh, the Bible has an antagonist as well uh, who relentlessly attacks and assaults us. His, uh, we first see him tempting Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, causing them and all of humanity uh, to entice them to sin and to lead the world into death. Throughout history, he has worked uh, through depraved individuals, wicked rulers, and godless empires to deceive the world and destroy the righteous. Ultimately, he will empower the worst deceiver and destroyer the world has ever seen, an adversary of God, uh, God's people who makes Nero pale in comparison. Since the birth of Christianity, faithful believers have expect, experienced the coming, expected, I'm sorry, the coming of an evil dictator uh, and his uh, deceptive right-hand man who have an enormous evil influence over the entire world. Uh, this diabolical duo will deceive their uh, derive their power from none other than Satan himself. Although the Antichrist, the false prophet, are revealed in scriptures under various titles, the clearest and most definitive description of the, these figures is set forth here in Revelation 13. This powerful antagonist will emerge on the world stage like a beast rising up out of the sea and burst onto the land together with the these two, uh, these two monstrous emissaries of evil will be a most persuasive dynamic duel in religious leaders of, in, in their time. Scripture warns us that we are to be alert. Uh, the Bible says that the mystery of the lawless and the spirit of the Antichrist are already at work in the world even in the, as they was writing the New Testament and it certainly is in our times as well today. So it pays us to really study and listen to see upon this to see, one, how it looked in their time and how they faced it and dealt with it and how God deals with it so that we can deal with it in our time as well. So I'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and read chapter 13. So we're in Revelations chapter 13. And the dragon stood on the sands of the seashore. 
Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads on his, on his horns, were ten diadems, and on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth was like that of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his thrones are great, with great authority. I saw one of, the, one of his heads and <clears throat> as if it were slain with a fatal wound with, uh, and what, that was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There, <clears throat> there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth and blasphemies came out against God to blasphemy his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on earth will worship him, everyone whose name was not written, in the, written from the foundation of the world in the book of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had ten horns like a lamb, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke as a dragon. He exercises all authority over the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship at, his, uh, at the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that even makes fire come down of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on earth because of the signs which, <clears throat> which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and who had come uh, back to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as to do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he caused, causes all the small, the great, and the rich, and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. <clears throat> and he provides, uh, and and he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom: Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of man, and his number is six hundred and sixty-six. All right, so that's quite a lot, and there's quite a lot of imagery in there. But we'll go back and we'll kind of break it up and. See about making some sense about it uh, then and how it applies to us today. Ben, yes. Yes. And it's been ever since the book is written, it's been coming there. When I was a I guess I was probably in middle school, whenever Ronald Reagan was president. Uh, and people were saying he's the Antichrist because Ronald Wilson Reagan, 
666 was how many letters he had in his name. So people were making a big, awful deal about that. Uh, there's a, supposedly a Messiah in Israel right now. A rabbi who claims to be the Messiah and who people are holding up to be the Messiah. So you got people jumping on that. And it's been going on and will go on. The Bible tells us, you know, from the beginning of time, there's been wars and rumors of wars. And all, it says it will keep on going. Absolutely. So That's kind of where this comes from. Yes. When you think of Antichrist, and the way I've always been taught and understood it is, anybody that's against Christ is an Antichrist. Absolutely. It's not just going to be one person that kind of, you might have one person that kind of ring leads and stuff, but it's not going to be kind of like what they're thinking. No. There is Antichrist that, Weeks after Jesus died, there was Antichrist pretending to be Jesus then and calling people to them and trying to lead all these things. David Koresh, and, I, and I mean, like I said, it's it's an ongoing thing. It will be. Yeah. The New Testament says that, you know, the Antichrist has already come. You know, in, 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 in uh, what John, I think it is, the Antichrist has already come. You know? Yeah. But like you said, just as soon as Jesus died, people were Yeah. Well, then, I'd like to comment and just say that before you did this study, I had a total misconception of most of Revelation. Um, I just didn't understand it. And I didn't understand the metaphorical parts of it. You know, when I had read it, I'll just say as a Baptist, you know, it was almost like uh, this was what was going to happen. Literally, this is what was going to happen. And uh, your study really helped me. Well, thank you. And I've heard Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that tonight, today. So we're going to hopefully address that today on different things, what it could have possibly been and, and what it could look like in our time now. Uh, but that's been a, a sore that and uh, the number of the beast or the name of the beast, and we're hopefully going to get all that settled uh, this morning. Uh, first verse, we see the sea, and of course that's just talking about, we've seen it, that's just uh, imagery of the multitude of nations. When it says the seas, that's usually what's talking about nations. Uh, these beasts uh, that we're talking about here where it talks about his head and his horns and all these things. Uh, we can read this in Daniel. Uh, in fact, we'll go there. Someone go ahead and go to Daniel chapter 7. Someone go ahead and turn for us there. Uh, the word beast here as in Daniel actually is translated as wild beast and it denotes uh, kingdoms. So it's a kingdom will rise up among the nations. Uh, Whoever gets there, go ahead and read verses 1 through 10 in Daniel 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head on his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told his son the matters. Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision of the night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven struck upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld to the wings thereof the pluck that was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and the man's heart was given to it. And another beast, the second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said, Thus unto it, arise, eat much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and the after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, it devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped the residue of the feet of it, 
and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the man, eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld to the thrones were cast down, and the ancient days did sit, whose garments white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like the fire of flame, and his wheel was burning fire. The fiery stream issued and came forth and from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Okay, so here. You can see a lot of the imagery we've been seeing here pulled directly from there. The seas, talking about the nations that was stirred up and it said they had four beasts come from them. The first one was Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and it describes him. Then it talks about the Persian, uh, the, the bear having you know three ribs in his mouth. That's where the Persian had other three other kingdoms in his mouth. And it described their attitude, their ferocity. The, you know, grouchy as a bear, you've heard the saying, well, that was the Persian to me. You, you didn't go poke the Persian to me. Or he's going to get the bear. Uh, and it talked about the uh, leopard, with Alexander. And it talked about having four heads. Well, what happened after Alexander died? His four generals took over the empire and ruled it. So we see all these imageries. And then, most importantly, it talks about the fourth one, which is Rome. This great kingdom or whatever is Rome. And it says the ancient of days Jesus would come and bring vengeance upon this and, and destroy this beast. And this is what we're seeing played out in great detail here in Revelations. My, my take. Uh, so, uh, and you see this beast uh, that were mentioned here in Revelations. It said uh, that the beast had a leopard. It had parts of all these different other kingdoms. It had leopard. That is, it was swift. It was powerful. Uh, we see this of Rome. You know, Rome was very swift. When Rome decided to move, it moved. Uh, it was had the bear's feet. Very grouchy, very, very, very powerful. It would, it would eat you alive. Uh, had the mind's mouth, that of part of the Babylon. Uh, and so all these different things we see kind of rolled up into Rome. And the feet were so uh, put forth notably. They stomped out anything that was in the way. I think that's the uh, allusion to that. Yes, and especially with the Romans, who Romans were the first ones to wear cleats, uh, if you will, on their feet, so that... We see them when they all would line up and put their shields together and the enemy would come and rush in. Well, the Romans were the first ones. They had these cleats with backwards cleats. So you didn't push them backwards at all. You didn't move that wall. You bounced right off of it. And you see a lot of this beautiful imagery portrayed and, and shows us and really helps us to understand the book of Revelations. Uh, ben, I always found that one thing fascinating about the Roman warfare too. They use those shorts. They devised the short sword. Everybody wanted a great big long sword, six foot six. Yes. Well, when you get close hand-to-hand combat, a six foot sword ain't worth 15 feet. Because you can't use it. You can't, you can't swing it. But those <clears> stabbing swords that you saw on the stabbing, they just started stabbing. And they, they were extremely <clears throat> people out. Yes. People out. Uh, it talks about having seven heads. It, it implies that this world power is going to come up. Is going to set itself up as God or could be applying to the seven different aspects of their ruling class. Uh, the Romans, uh, it was split up into seven different ruling bodies over periods of time. Uh, talks about ten horns, ten kingdoms or rulers, ten crowns. Uh, two interpretations here. One, that Rome was uh, splintering off into two kingdoms. 
uh, and the papacy and the others, the ten kingdoms that would be replaced or supplant Rome as a world power. Uh, and we'll see this. Uh, we've looked at it and we'll look at it again too. But when Rome was finally broken up, they had all these people coming in and taking the pieces. And it was basically broken up into ten little smaller kingdoms that would follow after them. Uh, says that the blasphemous names, uh, Rome was full of blasphemous names. Uh, some of the names for Rome was given as the eternal city. Uh, or it could be referring to the papacy as claiming to be God on earth. God spokesman, the vicar of Christ. Uh, or even the seven electorates of Germany empire that, that sprang up, uh, up from Rome known as Oh, I'm going to butcher these horribly, but we'll get through them. The Sacrum Imperium Romanium, or the Sacred Holy Empire. Uh, the rulers took titles uh, like the Prince-Elect of the Holy City uh, or the Holy Roman Empire, and different things that they took these names as, as being holy. And so that is referring to that. Uh, also, some of their ensigns that they used uh, were full of beasts and blasphemous images and stuff of that well as well. But again, it's easy to get carried away about what is meant exactly. The main thing to take away here is that this world power will come on a stage from among the nations. It's not going to be a new country. It's going to be an existing one that rises up. It will claim to be God or speak for God, but truth will be far from him, kind of like that synagogue of Satan we've seen at the very first of Revelation. So are you saying this could be modern? I'm saying we've seen in history where this has played out to me to a T to fit Rome and then the false church and that being the papacy and things of that nature. But it could very easily fit right in here today. Just because it meant one thing here doesn't mean that God can't do it over again. We've seen God prophesy in the past about a nation and it was fulfilled, but then it was fulfilled again later on. So could it be like the Muslim nation today? It could be 100%. Or anybody else that's against Christianity? Yes. Uh, verse 3, I said, One of the heads had been slain with a fatal wound and was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. Uh, this is referring to a government or a world ruler or nation that was toppled or struck down, and no one thought it would ever rise again, but lo and behold, it rises and rebuilds. Uh, we've had a lot of examples of these in history. Uh, <laughs> Roman time, Nero. Nero was said to have died in 68 AD. But supposedly, he come back to life. Now, history tells us this was an imposter who was just impersonating him. But, but the world said, oh, he's come back to life. He is God. And they, they went and worshipped him. Uh, also, could be like Germany. World War II, Germany rose up. All the world gathered together. We, well, we ain't got to worry about them no more. A few years later, boom, here they are again. More powerful and stronger than ever before. So it could be something like that. Uh, and like I said, Rome, Rome was destroyed, but then we'll see the papacy and stuff rise up from Rome or spring up from, from Rome, and then all this stuff could continue to be on that. So there's lots of different things it could be, but again, the imagery is, that is what it's portraying. It's going to be something that the world said, okay, it's dead and done with, but lo and behold, it comes back up again. Uh, verses 4 and 5. They worshiped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There was given him a mouth against arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 22 months was given to him. People worshiped this great 
power that seems to be unstoppable. They are in awe of it and give in to it. People love power and they love winners. Whatever country seems to be on top, that's the one the other countries will want to align themselves with and follow, hoping to either one, just be left alone, or two, to eat off the crumbs of the table or to grab some kind of greatness or glory for themselves. Uh, in our recent history, it was England and France at one time. Then it was the United States. But now we see that changing again, and now it's becoming Russia and China. And more of our allies are saying, nope, nope, we're done with you. We're going over here. Uh, see that with all and the Arab nations and all these other nations and even uh, some of our close allies that was close before, they're going over them too. So we see this throughout history. This is nothing new. Uh, 40... No. I can't remember the Western country it was, but there was an article in Fox News the other day about a man who had converted, had left, he was in the LGBTQ gay community, and he left the community and became a Christian. And he went on the radio show talking about how his Christian faith allowed him to leave behind that lifestyle and how he's no longer attracted to that lifestyle. Well, now he's facing five years in prison and $50,000 fine for speaking against or suggesting that people leave the gay community. So it's, it's coming. I mean, the, the Jews got, we're going to get it too. So there's nothing new about it. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. If this world was so, always so pleasant to live in, we would never set our sights higher than desire heaven. That's right. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> in verse 6, there was three kinds of blasphemy uh, mentioned. Blasphemy against God, the name of God, usurping God's prerogatives. Uh, blasphemy against his tabernacle. Tabernacle meaning dwelling place uh, or tent. Also his meeting or congregation place. So against God's dwelling place either in heaven or his church here on earth. That is that they're perverting and twisting his teachings and calling the, the true church as being evil and no true church at all. And against those who God has allowed to enter his tabernacle, against the true worshipers, persecuting them and slandering them in their faith. Uh, verse 7. It was given to me, it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority of every tribe and people and tongue and nations were given to him. That is, they will attack God's elect and defeat them, uh, persecute them in every country abroad. Like the persecution of the Jews, uh, of the Jew, by the Christian, by the Jews, the Romans, and the Muslims, uh, and uh, by the Catholic Inquisitions. Taking uh, the Inquisitions took on three different periods of time. There was the Roman Inquisition, the Portuguese Inquisition, and the Spanish Inquisition in recent history. Uh, during the last one, 
It is estimated that over 150,000 Christians were tortured, uh, stripped of their possessions, and persecuted severely, and well over 5,000 executed, just from uh, 1478 to 1800. So, uh, and it didn't just end with just that uh, they was run out of their homes and countries. And, uh, for example, in 1492 and through 1502, there were three uh, decrees issued from the Catholic Church that everyone who was not Catholic and who would not tr uh, switch to Catholic, convert to Catholicism, would have to leave their country and the territories controlled by the Catholic Church. So Christians or Protestants have, uh, have always done much uh, and... Christians and Protestants, I'm not just singling out them. Christians and Protestants have done the same things uh, in the Catholic Church, uh, as the Catholic Church and other churches. We've persecuted uh, those two. If you don't believe me, look at here in America. We come to America, we're going we're gonna to take these savages and we're going to whip them into the Christianity. So it, it's, it's nothing new. <clears throat> uh, so it would be like this war power would go everywhere to root out and destroy uh, the sinners and non-believers of the or their faith, infidels, is what the uh, Muslim world would call us. Verse eight: All who dwell on earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not been written on the foundation of the world in the Lamb's book of life, uh, who is Lamb who had been slain. So this great power will deceive many nations worldwide. A great number will worship them, but those who God has drawn to Him and who accepted the gospel who know God's word and heed his warnings, as like those here are given to us in Revelation, won't be deceived. This is why we're given the book of Revelation. This is why they were given the book of Revelation. So that you can study these things and you won't fall for it. So when they do these things, you say, oh, hold up, no. I know this, you know, book of Revelation's warned me about this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fall for it. Verse 9, everyone who has an ear, let him hear. God says you better listen up and pay close attention to this book so that you're not deceived, uh, deceived and, they're not, and that you are prepared. You know, what did, we talked about how this book is the only book in the Bible that God has put in there a blessing. Blessed are those who hear, who listen, who understand these words. Uh, verse 10, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is, a per, per, here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. God will not always save or spare us from what comes. Uh, same as he did not spare all those who were martyred and imprisoned in times past. If it is our destiny to suffer such things for God's sake and to fulfill his plans, we must endure patiently and faithfully knowing where our final destination and reward is. The Bible says, all day we are slain for your sake. And that's what the Bible's saying here. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be spared from the sword. Just because you're righteous, just because I love you, doesn't mean I'm going to keep you from these things. You're going to have to go through these things. If it hadn't been for the persecution of the early church, they would have never left Jerusalem. We wouldn't have a worldwide religion today. If it hadn't been for the persecution in Rome, they would have never left Rome. It spread all these things. God is always glorified and honored and has a plan. And we have to trust in that plan. Don't you think, too, then, though, it's still a Christian's responsibility that we still have to stand up and fight against that, though? Instead of just saying, well, if it's my destiny to suffer, I'm just going to sit by and suffer. Well, I think at the same time, we ought to have 
to be able to stand up and defend it and fight for it. I mean, if we do stuff in the process, that's part of it. But just sitting idly by and not doing anything, I don't No, no. The Bible says that those who condone, those who don't speak up against evils will be just held just as guilty and liable as those who did evils. As Christians, we're required to step up, to speak up, to speak out. And I think, I, I'm not speaking for myself, just in particular, but I'm speaking for all Christians. I think sometimes we fail on that. We kind of just sit by and don't say a lot. We just let things go on by. Well, live and let live. It ain't bothering me. So, you know what I mean? I mean, I kind of fall into that too. If it ain't bothering me, I, you know, but I think sometimes as a whole, we kind of sit by sometimes. There's an episode in Seinfeld that it just really struck me, and this has always stuck with me all these years later. But there was one where uh, I can't remember her name now, but the woman, uh, she was living with this one guy, and this guy was supposed to be a Christian. And he's like, "There's a newspaper out there." He said, "Well, go go get me that newspaper." She says, "Well, why don't you go get it?" He says, "No, you're going to hell anyway. What does it matter?" He said, "One more sin ain't going to hurt you, or something to that effect." And that, that's why a lot of Christians look at things. Well, you know, it's not affecting me. If you want to go, go ahead and go go get it. And we don't want, we don't care. Enough to warn people and tell people and stand up against these things. And to, to Josh's point, though, uh, Peter and John, you know, when they got beaten and chastised terribly for uh, and threatened, you know, for killing the lame man, they said, whether it seemed evil or right inside of you know, your eyes, we're going to serve God and do what He tells us to do. Go, whether you beat us, whether you bust at us, or whatever you're going to do, or kill us, we're going to do the right thing. And that's what Josh is saying. We need, to, we need to stand up. And call out evil. And we're not. We're not very. We're very reluctant to do that because we get overwhelmed by this monstrosity. You know, uh, if you go on Facebook today and says it is a sin for men and women to live together, you will get five million remarks that just condemn you. And probably fired from your employer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. You know, if you get on there and say, uh, and I, I don't, I'm sure this is true. But I can read about it. Men can't have babies. You know, it's, that's you're gonna get. You're gonna get eat a lot. I mean, people eat you alive when you say that, and you know it's true, and they know it's true, but they still will say that. John the Baptist, yes. faced with the king who could have him beheaded, could have him killed, could have everybody in his family slaughtered at the drop of a hat. John the Baptist stood up and said, "You're a sinner. You're wrong. What you're doing is wrong, and you got to change. And we need to be the same way. We need to have that spirit of John the Baptist." Uh, verses 11 and 12. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth who had ten horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercised all authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it worship the first beast who had the fatal wound and was healed. So another beast is going to be coming out of the earth. Uh, again, here, earth, everywhere we've looked at in Revelations, earth has been wrong. That's what it's been referring to. Uh, and I think this is no different. Uh, so another kingdom or this other beast will come up out of Rome, out of this Latin Empire. Uh, one possibility put forth is that of uh, while kings and governments once ruled the churches, as in Charlemagne's time and uh, Constantine, uh, but later, as the Latin church continued to gain power, it eventually took over power and turned the tables, and it now ruled the nations and the kings instead of the other way around, uh, the Latin church would go around setting up kings, removing kings and queens, and 
the kings and queens had to come and, and you know, beg for them to, to keep them in power to do their bidding or risk losing it. Uh, adding pagan rites and practices and rituals and changing commandments, all in opposition to God. As in, uh, for example, uh, what this might would look like is the rewriting of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments in some faces have been completely rewritten. If you go and look at their Bible and our Bible, you'll see the Ten Commandments are changed. They've removed the do not make any graven images or worship any graven image. They've removed that. So that they can put in these worshiping of these idols and statues and saints and different things of that nature. And so they took another commandment and they split it in two and just removed this one completely. So it, it could be something like that. As a lamb imitating Christ or claiming to be God's voice and authority on earth. Had the strength and the might of the first kingdom, Rome, had armies and navies at its disposals to enforce its will either by outright having a military or by, uh, ru- by rulers doing their bidding to remain in power and have access to their vast wealth and influence. This great influential new world power, this new world religion, were allowed to perform miracles for, uh, or fake miracles the same as the Egyptians did uh, to withstand against Moses. Whenever Moses uh, would throw down their staff, they would throw down their staff and make it become a snake as well. Uh, of course, then God said, okay, well, I'll top that. His, his snake ate their snakes up. No one had ever seen that. Uh, turned the water red, red with blood, they did the same thing. So, and it's kind of the same thing. These are going to perform all these supposed miracles to try to change people's views and get people to follow them. Uh, verses 14 and 15. And he deceives those who dwell on earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on earth to make an image of the beast who had been wounded with the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would be even speak and cause them many as did not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So this new world order, this new uh, world religion or power creates something that is represents God and forces men to bow down to it, to worship it, to kiss its ring, uh, so to speak. So uh, it would rise up in Rome and it would set its place in power in Rome. It will create images and idols to be worshipped and prayed to in place of God. Uh, Verse 16, and he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free man and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. Now this mark has been much debated uh, over the centuries and it will probably continue to uh, long after we're gone if the world stands. Uh, Could be an actual mark or brand or implant, but I feel that it's more uh, likely to be something symbolic. It could be something like uh, certificates that were handed out in the third century that you received when you fulfilled the mandates of certain rites of emperor worship. It could be something like uh, some stamp or sign by which all of its worshipers should be known. Uh, the brand on the mark of the beast would be some indelible sign that would designate that for certainty that these people were subject to its authority and were worshiping it. A mark in the hand is supposedly a uh, Supposedly to be represent practices, while a mark on the forehead indicates the profession of life. It's mark, uh, remarkable, however, that the mark on the forehead or some sign made with medium like ash and water, uh, converts would have to receive this mark in order to enter into this world religion 
And without this mark, one was regarded as unconverted or not a true participant of this religion. Or it could be something like our government right now. The, remember the little COVID cards? If you didn't have the little vaccination cards, you couldn't go to the stores. You couldn't go in here shopping. You couldn't even go to the airport and travel. You had to stay in your home. Could be something that looked like that. Uh, I remember a few years ago when these new chips come out, implanted in your wrist, your hand. You know, they're still there. They're still there. You know, those people, they were saying, well, a lot of Christians were saying, that's the mark of the beast. That's how they can control you. Know every move you make. And then Granny just told me she can remember when people used to say these social security numbers. That's what I was getting ready to say. the mark of the beast. So it, it could be anything you interpret it to be and how you make it out to be it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And but the, the the big thing to remember here is the mark of the beast is going to be something that is completely in opposition to God. It's going to be something that identifies you with this other religion, this other faith, this new world order that goes against something God has said for us not to do. Uh, and it could be something that seems harmless, uh, like a, a church activity, for instance. It has been a common uh, for some religions to forbid uh, patronization of those who are not loyal to the Pope. At least uh, three councils are named, those of Tour, Constance, and Latern, which uh, have expressly forbidden any Catholic person off from doing any business dealings, conversations, or any contact with Protestants. Or it could be, like I said, like the vaccination cards where you weren't even allowed to go to work. It could be something innocent. So we have to be on guard, as the book of Revelation says. And again, it's going to be something that I feel is in the face of God and that identifies you with this new world order, this new world religion. Being a, I just think about the Hindus. You know, they have the mark on their forehead. And uh, they don't deal with people that are not Hindus. You know, most Hindu people do not deal you know, with extreme Hindus. They will not deal with commoners or other They have that caste system. And they will not. I mean, it's forbidden completely. I mean, you could get killed for even dealing with somebody like that. Yes. And that's what the church has to deal with when they're over there in the India dealing with these militant uh, Hindus. And, you know, just because if you don't believe in Hindu gods, then you're, you should be put to death. That's what those militant Hindus believe. Just like the Muslim people do. You know, if you're not Muslim and you don't worship Allah, then, you know, then you're going to be put to death. Put to death, or you're an animal to sold into slavery. All these different things. Yeah. Uh, verse 18, the mark of the beast. Uh, much debate has gone on around the meaning of the number of the mark of the beast. Uh, there are thousands of names that you could add up to get the number. Uh, for example, uh, Balaam, the false prophet. Uh, in Hebrew, if you add up his name, the, all letters have no numerical meanings. If you add them up, Balaam's number is 666. Uh, when I was in middle school, like I said, Ronald Wilson Reagan, they said that was it. It's supposed to be that because his name was 666. Uh, some of the Roman emperors that was in power, their numbers, their names added up to 666. I don't think it's meant as something as obvious as that. Uh, the number of man in the Bible is what? Y'all remember from her classes? It's six. The number of man in the Bible is six. That's the number of man. The number of God, you remember what the number of God is? Seven. Well, seven is perfect. Three is the number of God, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. So the name of the beast is God 
A man trying to pretend to be God. God, a man impersonating God. So 666 is the number of the beast. So it would be someone claiming to be God or be God's spokesman here on earth to be directly tied to God in some way and have exercised God's powers uh, here on earth. And I think people too kind of get too superstitious with that 666. I've been in the grocery stores and places and somebody buys something and ring up, oh, I've got to buy something else or put that back because it's wrong. I don't think nothing about that. It just, but some people take that and they're just. I've been to churches where they will not sing the hymn number 666. <laughs> I'm serious. They will not sing it because it's, it's, it's 666. Oh, you can't have that. It is. I've, uh, I've always had a little saying there. Whenever I'd see a penny, I'd pick it up. And I thank God for his blessings, great and small. And I've always just been real big about that. And it just gives me a little lift. But there was one time I took, uh, I forgot it took like 50 or 60 or 100 pennies, what it was. But I melted them down and made Melvina a little ring. Because she is my great blessing, you know, great and small. So I, I always, pennies always make me think of that. There was a fellow in Nicholasville that was real, real, real tight. And so somebody took some super glue or something one time and glued the diamond <laughs> down at the top of his steps. And they said every time he'd come in around, he'd go over and pick that diamond up. And of course, he never did deal with that. <laughs> I don't know if Jimmy and Jill remember it, but we used to do that at HR. We had super glue. And we'd take a quarter and we'd glue it to the floor. Okay. And there was one guy in particular, he would spend hours <laughs> on his hands and knees with, with needle nose pliers and screwdrivers and a hammer trying to get that quarter up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but we, we don't know exactly, you know, like I said, it, it could be a thousand different things, but to me, this is what it means. It is man impersonating God, man taking God's authority here on earth. Uh, and that's what it means. And that can go back to, like, you know, in our time, we've seen, I've done a sermon on all the people that claim to be God, David Chris, Jamestown, you know, Jonestown murders and all that. Well, they claim to be the side. They claim to be God. You get all these people following. You know, it, that's somebody that's trying to impersonate God. That's exactly right. Uh, a lot of the commentaries say that this is referring to the Pope. Because the Pope claims to be the vicar of Christ or Christ's spokesman here on earth. He tells the world what God means and what God says. And the faith has to follow or go along with what he decrees. So that's just kind of, I ain't saying it is, but I'm saying that's just kind of imagery that I think we're talking about here. Any uh, comments or questions? We'll have to save up our application for next time, but next time we'll look at how to take all this information and apply it to our walk today here uh, in, in our century. Any comments or questions? Thank you,